Welcome to Museum Archipelago. I'm Ian Elsner. Museum Archipelago guides you through the rocky landscape of museums. Each episode is never longer than 15 minutes. So let's get started. For many Indigenous people, uh, Native people, we're looking for ways to engage our culture at all places at all times. And for me, and for many other Native people, it happens to be in the realm of museums. And Donna Spears focuses on engaging with her culture within the realm of museums, precisely because museums violently separate her culture from a living context. Hello, I'm Donna Spears, and I am Yakafruit Shanga in a wine clan. I'm born for the Ojibwe people, my maternal grandfather's from the Tangled clan. And my paternal grandfather is from the Choctaw Chickasaw people. I'm the director of programming and outreach for the Agamount Educational Initiative. Spears co-founded the Agamount Educational Initiative in 2018 with Chris Newell and Dr. Jason Mancini. The initiative was born out of their experiences in museum and classroom education across present-day New England. They saw a need to supply regional educators with the tools to implement competent education on Native history and Native contemporary issues. They created the initiative to build those tools. The word Agamount is a Passamaquoddy word. It is the Passamaquoddy word for the snowshoe path. Uh, One of our co-founders, Chris Newell, is a Passamaquoddy, and he recommended this term as a defining part of our, our initiative because a snowshoe pass at the beginning of the wintry season is um, hard to find, it's hard to walk on, but the more people pass along this path and carve out this path through the snow during the season, the easier it becomes for everyone to walk on together. And we see that as part of our, our mission and part of the work that we're trying to do, part of the guiding principles for our work that we are looking to add to that educational experience for people we are living with and amongst here in what is present-day New England, because we are all going on the same direction. And the more information and the more culturally accurate and respectful and historically accurate information we are working with, and the easier it is for our children, for our grandchildren. And when I say our, I mean Native people, but I also mean non-Native people. The initiative focuses on what's called sites of knowledge. These include K-12 schools, universities, and museums. But as Spears describes, the notion of siloed sites of knowledge is a Western idea, poorly suited to the work that they do. Instead, the Agamal Educational Initiative seeks to employ knowledge at all places and at all times, something that museums as they exist today fail to do. In our traditional communities, in our Native communities, There was no place that you would go to learn and to gain the authority on one particular place and then leave that place and and not employ that knowledge someplace else or not see the connection between one place and another. So to go to a museum and this is the authority and this is where you learn about this and then you exit the museum and that knowledge is no longer useful to you as you go about your daily life. That concept of siloing knowledge and siloing our understandings of the world is a foreign one to this continent. Spears shared a striking example of this at Untold Stories 2019, which was called Indigenous Futures and Collaborative Conservation. 
The session was the closing session of the American Institute for Conservation's annual conference. There, she showed an image of a Haudenosaunee cradleboard, as presented in the Detroit Art Institute. It is completely divorced from context, and certainly doesn't feel lived in, in typical museum conservation fashion. She compares this with an image of the cradleboard that held her as a child, and has securely held all four of her children. The ties on the cradleboard are ceremonially retied for each child, representing a continuity in the material world that is nowhere to be found in the museum. If you came into my house right now, you would see all of the cradle boards from um, when I was a baby that were made for me, which I have a few, and then the cradle boards that we had made for, for our children, my husband and I's children, they are placed up on the wall. The difference between that and a museum is that we keep pieces of that baby's experience within the cradle board. So we keep, we keep a blanket in certain pieces of material culture. So we keep those on the cradle board and we put them up on the wall to remind us of, of that time, that special time with our, our son or our daughter. And so these are instances where the cradle board is referring back to a specific child in a specific place, in a specific emotional life of our family. Spears uses the difference between her cradle boards in her own home and how they would be treated in a museum collection to illustrate the difference between living collections and ethnographic objects. I think when we look at cradle boards within museum collections, all of that is ripped away. All of that is stripped. And that stripping of those experiences and the spiritual and emotional life of that piece is a violent one, and it's a very apt representation of what colonialism is, that we are going to take this and we are going to rip it away from its relationship with you and make it only relevant in its relationship to us, the colonizers. And that's the story that gets honored. That's the story that's more important. And that is a violent story. And it's one of domination. And so when we go into museums and we see items that have a lived relationship with us, within our communities, within our homes, we see them on display as um, ethnographic objects. That is a reminder that our understanding of our own material culture is not the one that is important. To prevent the continued violent ripping of the emotional life that object collections represent, the initiative offers a range of educational support services and educational programming across present-day New England. And part of that is making sure that certain words remain problematized. I keep using the term present-day because we don't like to use the term New England unproblematized. Like, it's, this is not problematic. Everyone calls it New England. This is okay. We sanction this term. We don't want to use any terms that place American Western understandings of our of our places and our culture and our communities in reference to into reference to Europe in this case England. Some of the services offered by the initiative take the form of outreach programming, like understanding cultural appropriation, or guided tours like Lessons in Radical Feminism from the 14th Century at the Mashantucket Pequot Museum. The initiative also offers consulting services, providing museums, historical societies, and cultural institutions with socially just and accurate historic information, and the means with which to interpret Native collections and themes with and for Native communities. 
And we get to go uh, to museums uh, across southern uh, present-day New England and look at, again, look at uh, exhibits critically. There are many museums in the area that are starting to form um, Native American advisory panels. And who sits on those panels is so important. I think one thing that Agamont really is very good at is we are also part of the Native communities here in the Northeast. So I am um, from these other tribes, but I married a Narragansett, and all of our children are also Narragansett, which is uh, the federally recognized tribe here in Rhode Island. And so I do have buy-in into the into this community, into the well-being of the representation of my children's community. Knowing how inaccurately museums portray your own culture or the cultures that you're familiar or intimate with, how does that change how you visit museums or how does that change your visitor experience where you don't know much about the culture being presented? For me to say that I'm always aware of that when I go into a museum is not completely accurate. That Native people, we, even though we know that this has been done to us, we still look to some of these institutions as places of knowledge. And I think that when I go into a museum to learn about something, there is always that question of how did this get here? Whose was it? Who made it? But really, why did they make it? What is this object's life outside of here? And I think that I'm not always asking that question all the time, but that is a question that's there at the back of my back of my mind. And I think that the more that museums can bring these these disembodied pieces back to a body, the better I would relate to it as as a native person and, and as an indigenous person. And I think that that's, there's definitely a duality at play for me when I go into a museum. It's 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 conflictual. There are some newer museums that deliberately define their primary audience as members of a Native nation. An example that just opened in Minnesota is the Hokatati, the Shakopee Mede Wakantan Sioux Community's New Cultural Center. There's a touchscreen interactive media piece there that protects some information behind a code that only nation members know. How can practices like these change how museums have presented themselves for centuries? Yeah, it, it asks the question, who is the primary recipient of what we're giving in this space? Who are we Who are we pointing this space towards? Who is the orientation point? And that doesn't mean that there can't be other people in the space learning from that or watching that process. I think that as museums grapple with their colonizing past and the role that they placed, they played in colonizing, Turtle Island, the world, it's, you know, being in bed with imperialism. I think that as we, the museum field grapples with that history, we are going to start to see museums as places where practice can be on display. So in the sense that there is an orientation towards this tribal nation. This is who we are speaking to. But the museum can point out or put on display the fact that this practice is being followed and people are in a museum using the actual practice. The museum is speaking very directly to the practice, very blatantly using language and terminology and saying, we have a certain group that we are prioritizing here. 
we want you to learn in this space, but you are not the orientation space. You are not the the the, the thing that this museum revolves around. And that in and of itself is an educational experience. Um, sometimes it's good to be disruptive in that way, and that museums can be a disruptive uh, force in that in that process by saying that their orientation is towards this particular particular community and not towards the overculture. And I think it's really important for white visitors to museums who are very in a very comfortable space. They know how to interact with museums. They know how to um, interact with exhibits that reaffirm what they were already thinking before they went into the building. Um, I think disrupt that experience can be really interesting and really important. And I think museums have an opportunity to be a really interesting disruptive tool in that process. The Agamount Educational Initiative lives at agamount.org. There, you can find a list of resources from a guide to indigenous terminology to readings and books organized by grade level. You can also see a list of classes and services that the initiative offers across present-day New England. You can watch Spears in the complete proceedings of Untold Stories 2019 at untoldstories.live. Information is also available for the 2020 conference in Salt Lake City, Utah, called Preserving Cultural Landscapes. This has been Museum Archipelago. This week, Museum Archipelago is hosting its first-ever live show. The show will be a part of Lower Alston Live, hosted by the PRX Podcast Garage, Zone 3, and Aeronaut Brewing. The event takes place in Boston, Massachusetts, this Thursday, August 8th, at 7 p.m. at Aeronaut Austin, 267 Western Ave. In the show... I will play the host of Museum Archipelago, interviewing the director of a fictional Lower Alston Museum. There's a link to RSVP in the show notes. Come on by to say hi and pick up some sweet Museum Archipelago logo stickers. I hope to see you there. You'll find a full transcript of this episode, along with show notes, at museumarchipelago.com. Club Archipelago members get access to a bonus podcast feed, that's sort of like the director's commentary to the main show, and fun extras like stickers. Support the show and join Club Archipelago today for $2 at patreon.com slash museumarchipelago. Thanks for listening. And next time, bring a friend.